I'm Miguel Hayworth. The three subjects we're going to cover on is transubstantiation, mariolatry, and the Immaculate Conception. Um, what got me looking to these subject uh, areas is that the majority of Roman Catholics I've spoken to, when they're presented with the question, could you explain to me what the gospel does actually teach? The, I've not had one um, Catholic been able to explain to me what the gospel is. And that was laying down the foundation that the Church of Rome doesn't really have a gospel. Um, neither can the priests explain it fully, um, neither can the lay Catholic. Um, so, when looking at these issues, the, this uh, which I laid out wasn't about concerning Catholic, Roman Catholics as people, but it's rather about the teachings and doctrines and dogmas that are that come out of the Roman Catholic Church from the perspective of the Pontifical Council, or the uh, perspective of what the Pope presents concerning his. Um, basis for the teachings what they practice um, this first subject we're looking at is um, on trans transubstantiation <coughs> when uh, looking at the subject there was nothing within the Catholic mass that uh, they held to any scriptural basis for these practices and it was more lean towards tradition now the practice known as transubstantiation, uh, what we found was fundamental to the core practice of worship. So if you deal with the gospel, they don't have a gospel, then you can deal with every other issue. Because then really, because in, in Rome it's not whether they have just the, the belief in justification by faith alone. It's what, what exactly are they teaching in regards to what the gospel says. Um, the basic foundation of transubstantiation which is rooted as a core practice in Roman Catholicism um, was very much understood by um, those that left the Catholic Church in 1556 but in modern day Christianity most um, what I found was most evangelicals do not understand the severity that this doctrine makes in terms of that it demands in extreme ways um, that a person bases faith on these practices. Um, for the Roman Catholic, it's the tendency to for them to too ready believe that something is real and true. Even <laughs> they don't need any reasonable tr proof, and so. Um, in the absence of evidence or uh, or knowledge, it's just simply they believe it because um, they've brought up Catholic, they've been Roman Catholic, they've been indoctrinated by the teachings in, in the Catholic Church, and so they don't question anything. They just blindly accept what they're ta taught. Um, what I found is that... Um, um, increasing numbers of evangelicals when they're accepting the Roman Catholic Church as being a Christian church and regarding Roman Catholics as they they call them their Christian brothers and sisters in Christ what I found was even by speaking to my evangelical counterparts 
Um, they are simply naive, in my experience, and openly ignorant to Roman Catholicism own belief system because they say, oh, I don't need to know what the Church of Rome teaches. I don't need, necessarily need to understand what uh, doctrinal basis they hold to or what the, what are the theological basis for the, uh, for, you know, uh, for the sort of practices that they uh, commit the, the the lives to, and it doesn't really matter to the evangelical because as long as they love Jesus, they say, "Well, they're my brother and sister in in the Lord," and so they're naive and ignorant openly to accept Roman Catholicism's own belief system. Um, the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, I've found, um, they have no supported evidence that. Uh, this is particularly true to the claims on the subject of transubstantiation. Um, but we found that this is one of many areas of Catholic doctrine that contradicts Holy Scripture. And yet in spite of this, uh, there are many Christians willing to accept, uh, accept unity with Rome on face value. Um, many people in Christendom are not willing to consider that Rome cannot base its teachings and claims on anything that's substantial, substantiated. Um, which is particularly true of the doctrine of transubstantiation. If you take Rome's teachings and you take it as far as to its logical conclusion, whereas logic dictates, uh, you will find out that through this, um, that there are many uh, that build themselves on through the practices that is nothing more than superstition. I'm not saying this to be offensive. I'm not saying this to be um, derogative in any way um, towards any individual Roman Catholic. But the reason why it's superstitious is because it doesn't need to be based on evidence. It doesn't need to be substantiated by anything. You just blindly accept it. Um, with scripture misapplied and misused to justify its claims um, what I found was even the Vatican has the majority of its history forced its teachings and beliefs on past and future generations of Roman Catholics although many Roman Catholics are naive in many respects to their own faith in other words they uh, it's not naivety meaning that they're um, less intelligent than anyone else, but it was the naivety of accepting without further investigation of of uh, their own faith. Um, what we find is that most Catholics are bound to the in bondage to their institution institutionalization Catholicism itself. Now, this is to say that Roman Catholics have no choice to believe in what their church tells them. Um, these days, most Catholics keep within the family traditions and they're not necessary because they believe in everything the Pope teaches, but because of family tradition. Now, when I studied into Trent, this was the council that was formed in order to lay down the foundations of uh, Catholic dogma, of what they believe the scriptures taught concerning uh, when it came to their practices. Um, there was a book uh, I came across and it was called A Brief Against Rome 
and it's by Reverend Isaacson. Now, he explores the dogma laid down at the Council of Trent, why many Catholics are forced into a position of keeping doctrine, uh, such as keeping the doctrine such of transubstantiation with its core belief system. So they say, Rome decrees, and this is um, Canon 1 on the Eucharist, it says, if anyone should deny that the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist are contained truly, really, and substantially, substantially in the body and blood, together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ, and say that he is in it only by sign or figure or influence, let him be accursed. Canon 2 on the Eucharist. If anyone should say that in the sacrament that remains to be the substance of bread and wine along with the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and shall deny the wonderful conversion of the whole substance of the body, the bread into the body and the whole substance of the wine to blood, there remaining that the only appearance of bread and wine which conversion of the, Roman, of the Catholic Church most appropriately called transubstantiation let me be cursed. Again, the Council of Trent argued, and we're going to uh, examine these claims uh, that Trent made. Um, they argued it is therefore indutable um, that all Christians, according to the practice of the Catholic Church, are bound to venerate this most holy sacrament and render it the worship latria, which is due to the true God. This Council of Trent on the Eucharist. Now, Pope Pius the uh, the fifth de uh, devised the following creed that every Roman Catholic priest today subscribes and professes, and this is what he says. I'm not sure if he does this today, but at the time where Pope Pius decreed this, this was what the priest had to confess, and he said. I profess with the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist, there is truly, really, and substantially the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and there is made a conversion for the whole substance of bread into the body of the whole substance of the wine into the blood, which the conversion the Catholic Church calls transubstantiation. So the way they explain it is they don't worship the wafer, it's what the wafer becomes. Um, so the molecular structure of the wafer changes into the literal body and blood of our Lord contained in the Eucharist. So it's not worshipped at first. It, it's worshipped after its changed form from the wafer to the actual um, flesh of our Lord and the actual blood of our Lord. So um, this is what he means. But um, I came across something in 1992. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church published a redefined official catechism stating that the dogmas of its church. This, was to, uh, this work was chaired by Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who, who at the time was the current Pope, but uh, Pope Francis took over him. Um, now in it, this is what they wrote. Now Catholic Catechism number 1374 says the most blessed sacrament of the eucharist the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our lord jesus christ therefore the whole christ is truly really and substantially substantially contained furthermore as highlighted within the catechism 
the outplay of such doctrine shapes ritual practice within the church of Rome, which includes the worship of the bread and the wine. The Roman Catholic Catechism number 1418 states, Because Christ himself is present in the sacrament, of the altar is to be honoured with the worship of adoration. So adoration is a form of worship. And I've had Catholics uh, um, disagree with that, saying, no, when we, ad when we um, give adoration to Mary or the Eucharist, we're not worshipping the Eucharist. But according to the Catechism, uh, the uh, the whole notion of adoration is is centred towards the worship of of the Eucharist as it takes form into the literal body and blood of our Lord. Um, the Roman Catholic Catechism number one thousand three hundred seventy eight says the worship of the Eucharist in the liturgy of the Mass we express our faith in the real presence of Christ on the species of bread and wine by other ways of um, genuflecting or bowing deeply as a sign of adoration of the Lord. Reserving the consecrated host with the utmost care, now the host is the, the wafer, um, exposing them to the solemn veneration of the faithful and carrying them in procession. The question is here, um, is there any biblical base for such a dogma? By what scriptural ground does the Roman Catholic Church make the claim that the soul and divinity of our Lord is present in the Eucharist, the bread and the wine? There is nothing more than blatant there's nothing more than blatant heresy contrary to what we read in Holy Scripture. Christ taught us to commemorate his death only in memory and nothing more. His death and resurrection celebrated within the Holy Communion was symbolic only and anything other than that was simply can the carnality of mind in we read this in Luke chapter 22 verse 19 now this says and he took the bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he gave unto them saying this is my body given to you do this in remembrance of me um, that isn't the case during high mass um, anyway uh, where does any scriptural text explicitly make the, the substance of bread and wine changes into anything there is no justification for such teaching of this kind instead it was devised through the doctrines of men now there was a such a doctrine and they called it the uh, hypostatic union now in the doctrine of the hypostatic union rome teaches the union of christ's humanity and divinity is in one hypotassium The humanity and divinity of Christ is made one according to the nature and hypostasis in the Logos because the bread and the wine becomes the person of Jesus Christ in substance. This means that the bread and the wine becomes God after it's been transubstantiated. Literally, our Lord is present in the Eucharist. Now, according to um, the Continuae, uh, Totum Corp Corpus Christi, now this says, um, it was page 276, it was about the Tridentine Catechism uh, concerning the Eucharist. Now they state that the same body that was crucified was buried, rose again and ascended into heaven, which is present in the sacrament under the appearance of the bread and wine. And so, the from the doctrine of the 
hypostatic union, they also added also his soul and divinity. Now St. John Christosterone wrote a letter to a monk named um, Sarius, I think it's, it's a Latin name, it says uh, Sarius, which can be found in, um, um, and it's, it's like a, a, a volume called My Gains Edition, and that was page 758. In it, it describes the process of transformation of the bread and wine. This only exists in Latin with few fragments of the original starting, started. Um, and I can't read the Latin, so I'm going to give you the, the actual uh, the English phrase. Now, the translation says, As before the bread is hal uh, hal hallowed, uh, we call it bread, yet... When it's hallowed by divine grace through meditation of the priest, it is released from that name and is deemed worthy to be called the Lord's body. Although the nature of bread is remained in it, and so we do not speak of the two bodies of the sun, but of one body, the nature of bre the bread and wine, not to exist. So when it changes, it no longer exists as bread and wine, it's uh, the body and blood of our Lord. It, um, Regarding the doctrine of transubstantiation, we never read any of these practices done in the primitive church. Nor do we read anywhere that this was done in scripture. Now, the bread and the wine does not change in substance, it remains the same. In my view, uh, I believe this mere superstition that's rooted in Babylon mystery religions. Um, and then again, I'm not saying this to be offensive or to be uh, derogative in any way. But this is my personal view. Um, it is explained from this quote. The savage commonly believes that the eating of the flesh or an animal that he requires is not only physical but even more moral and intellectual uh, qualities which were the characteristics of an animal or a man. So when the creature is deemed divine or simply savage natural uh, expects to absolve the portion of its divinity along with the material substance it may well be uh, it may be well to illustrate the uh, instances of the come faith in the acquisition of virtues by vices of many kinds through the medium of animal food even though there is no uh, pretense that the um, that this consists of the body and blood of uh, a Jesus. The doctrine forms part of the widely ramified system of sympathetic or homeopathic magic. This was a a book called The Golden Burr and that was on page um, 465. The um, Ideology of transubstantiation was not originally agreed in the Catholic Church, as we know that not all popes were in agreement over this issue. You've got uh, this guy's called Pope uh, Galatius I, and this was 492-496 AD. Now, in a letter he addressed to some bishops said, uh, We have ascertained that certain persons, having received the portion of the sacred body, alone to be abstained from partaking the chalice of the sacred blood. Let such persons receive the sacrament in its entirety or be repelled from the entire sacrament 
because of the division of one and the same mystery cannot take place without the great sacrilege. Reference given in, in book um, Brief Against Rome, page 93. When we look at the explanation of the church before the church in Rome became the Roman Catholic Church in AD 831. It was shown that the doctrine, uh, the doctors of theology of the Western Church opposed to this and the teaching of the Eucharist was only defined under the article the 4th uh, Latrian Council by Pope Innocent III in um, 1215 AD. Thus says that the power of the priest is the power of the divine person. Now this is a, a blasphemous statement. Now he says that the uh, transubstantiation of bread requires as much power as the creation of the world and so the priest may be called to the creator of the creator the dignity of the priesthood by Lingori uh, page 33 Lingori was a Catholic theologian if anyone uh, says that the holy sacrament of the Eucharist such as the communion wafer that Christ is the only begotten son of God is not to be adored with the worship or latria which is outwardly manifested and consequently neither to be venerated with special festive solemnity, no solemnly born about the procession according to the laudable universal rites and the custom of the Holy Church, or is not to be set publicly before the people to be adored, and the adorers therefore are idolaters, let him be anathema. That's the canons and the degrees of the Council of Trent, um, and that was uh, page. Uh, no, no, it was can six, and that was published. There was a a quote published in a book in back in 1960. Um, we know that there is nothing uh, more than the theory that came out of medieval Europe, and there is nothing more than a superstitious philosophy. There is nothing more than substance that will ever change the form, what is contained in it, and that will become anything other than what it is, simply bread and wine, either by appearance or it remains to be so. The teaching of the so-called doctrine of concomitance. This stipulates that the communion under one kind of species is that Christ and his divinity is fully present in the bread and wine in every part of this species, in every uh, particle of the bread and in every drop of wine, we, it was therefore not, um, were it not for the fact of concomitance. This is, places people under the description of not only revolting and profane, but this was nothing more than speculative in Rome's authority on the subject. Furthermore, the consequence of this takes away the faith and the sufficiency of Christ's atoning work on the cross, which is placed beneath a man-made institution, namely the Roman Catholic Church's ecclesiastical authority. Quite strong words, but you know, it's my belief that need to be said. The doctrine of concomitance provides the basis for refusal of the cup of wine to be offered to uh, laity. In the case any wish to abstain from alcohol consumption, um, they would however receive one species alone, the assurance of the fullness of the sacrament. Historically, the application was contributed to the 1415 um, ruling by the Council of Const uh, Constance, 
that the laity should be given only bread at communion. And this was the reason that if someone was to be a drunkard and they had a problem with alcohol, then um, it better to uh, not offer for the sake of that, that they would get drunk. So everyone was uh, thrown into the same boat, you know. But, but um, the priest does not need to practice concomitance because he has every right to drink from the cup and we know that like I used to watch I've seen these videos on YouTube and see the priests in the pubs and the, the and they're drinking alcohol and they're getting drunk these were the Catholic priests but then the doctrine of concomitance doesn't apply only to the laity uh, so you see the blatant rank hypocrisy uh, the priest getting drunk, uh, there are uh, cases of that in the UK and then they deprive their uh, <laughs> uh, their late, the, the, the clergy, to, well these are sort of, um, not the, just the clergy but the members that attend that Catholic church from abstain from taking the part in the bread, the wine sorry, in case they might have a problem with alcohol but you know the priest can do whatever he likes Anyway, the Council of Constance in 1414 and 1418 was the 16th Ecumenical Council of the Roman Catholic Church following the election of two rival popes. This was Pope Gregory and Pope Benedict in Avignon in 1378 and the attempts of the Council in Persia in 1409 resolved the Western Schism by the election of a new pope. Uh, the church found itself with three popes um, instead of one under the pressure of the Holy Roman Emperor Sigmund, uh, Sig Sigismund and Pope John the uh, I can't read Roman numerals but it says XXIII um, the successor of pope, uh, the Pacha Pope summoned at the Council of Constance Participatory reunite Christendom, but also examine the teachings of John Wycliffe and Jan Hus, uh, and to reform the church. And at that time, you had the Reformation, the big Reformation of John Hus, Jan Hus, and John Wycliffe. And the Church of Rome hated them. Uh, they were they were seeking out to kill them because they uh, were causing too much of an uproar in the Church of Rome, and that it was the Church of Rome that was. Uh, responsible for the burning of Bibles and uh, during that period of time uh, because they wanted people to read the Bible in Latin it was forbidden that any lay person at that time should have a copy of uh, their own very own Bible that they could read in, in the English language now um, we're going up to 30 the 30 minute mark um, I'm going to continue after the break and um, Please uh, bear with us and we'll get back to uh, this study on the Catholic Mass. God bless you. Take care.
we were talking about the doctrine concomitants. Um, there was a, a scripture in First um, Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-six to twenty-nine, where our Lord says, "For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord and unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of our Lord." But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eat and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now the doctrine of concom concomitance is contrary to scriptures we read in Matthew chapter 26 verse 27. And he said he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink you all of it. Now the two scriptures quoted and how the uh, shows how the doctrine of concomitance is very much refuted by the Bible and not taught or practiced through early Christianity. I found no scriptural grounds to support the view of transubstantiation as far as the uh, Church of Rome is concerned, and in such matters, Rome where it places. Uh, churches, the church's authority of biblical supremacy, placing its own interpretive authority based on the leading of the carnal wisdom, uh, leading of carnal wisdom rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter six, verse thirty-two to fifty-eight, says, "Is sometimes provided by the apparent scriptural justification for such practices." Now, John uh, chapter six, verse thirty-two to fifty-eight says. Then Jesus said to them, I verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which comes down from heaven, gives life unto all the world. And then he said unto him, Lord, even more of us, uh, ever more give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes in me shall never thirst. And further in verse 47, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that many may eat, uh, men may eat thereof, and will not die. And he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And if any... Um, and the bread which I give you is my flesh, which is, uh, again, the well-known scripture that is quoted by most Catholics, um, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, this is the most important bit in verse 53. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you will have no life in you. And then the next bit where it says, Whosoever eats of my flesh, drink of my blood, have ever, uh, eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed and that he that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood I dwell for me and I in him and as the living father sent me I live by the father so that he eat um, eat of me 
even he shall live by me. For this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did, eat manna, which are dead. But the he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Yeah, you know, I don't think it, I don't believe it's talking about food or as such, but there was spiritual application to this. Now, Rome argues um, in terms of the fact that they'll take scripture to the extreme. And aside from its contextual background, the context of the word spoken, which the manner that was eaten by the Jew in the desert during the wilderness years, this gave them life. Now, one greater than Moses was in their midst, the Son of God, who himself is the very word that became flesh. It is the very word that would soon be crucified for their sins, and it's the very word that must be trusted upon and consumed the scripture jesus speaks of is our spoken spoken in idiomatic terms an idiom is like a, a fable like uh, for example when they say it's rain cats and dogs um, it's not literally rain cats dog it means it's just pouring down with heavy rain and uh, you get people that will um, believe, well, you know, that's what you said. You know, they'll be looking up in the sky and they'll be looking for cats and dog, but dogs, but it's a figurative of speech. That's what an idiom is. So symbolically, uh, it was spoken more than literally. Further examples of this uh, words were used by Jesus, such as John chapter 10, verse 7, which says, if I can scripture open all that have come before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them um, and then you've got Jesus said I'm the door in and in, in 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 uh, we read more it says, and all um, did all drink the same spirit, uh, spiritual drink, for they are drunk of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And then um, this states that the rock was Christ, and this also refutes the claim that they referred to Peter in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen. Which says, and I say unto thee, thou Peter upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The average Roman Catholic will not uh, appreciate this because the stronghold the Roman Catholic Church has over them through its superstition and church tradition. The words of Christ are spoken of in Matthew chapter 26 verse 26, Mark chapter 14 verse 22, Luke chapter 22 verse 19 and John chapter 6 verse 51 are worth analysing in these passages that Jesus uh, describes himself a focus in retrospect that he says this is my body which is broken given for you and further this is my body uh, this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 and Mark chapter 14 verse um, 24.
an understanding of the Passover, which was what the meal of our Lord shared with his disciples, who allowed us to understand the context things and spoken within them. The two main uh, elements of the Passover table are the bread and the wine. The bread used at Passover, the matzahs by the Jewish law, must be unleavened, stripped and pierced. Rabbinical tradition teaches that matzahs is symbolic of the Passover lamb. At the start of the meal, the matzahs is broken into two. One section is wrapped in linen and hidden from the children of the house, while the other section is replaced on the table. As a designated time during the meal, the children search the house for the lost matzahs, which has been hidden from the, uh, from the children of Israel when it was found and it's brought together with written a thousand years before our Messiah. The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 22 verse 16, For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked have enclosed me, and they pierced my hands and my feet. Um, so we see um, in the book of Psalms we prophesy about the coming Messiah what would happen to him and this uh, prophecy uh, the prophet Isaiah that was Psalms but the prophet Isaiah wrote 600 years before Christ concerning the coming Messiah in Isaiah 53 verse 4 to 5 it says surely he was born of our griefs and a carrier of our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. And because he was wounded for our transgressions, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray. And we, like sheep, have gone our own way. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 12 says that I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and bore the sins of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. This is what our Lord would have done to demonstrate to his disciples in Matthew 26, 26. And they were so weak, and Jesus took the bread and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat this, my body. This is not a picture of transubstantiation, but the Passover lamb. This is where the Roman Catholic Church gets it wrong. There are four cups of the Jewish Passover table. The first two cups were drunken before dinner. The first one symbolises the thanksgiving because of the deliverance from Egypt the second and the second one the plagues were struck that struck Egypt the third and fourth cups are um, a drink after dinner as we read in scripture now in Luke chapter 22 verse 20 likewise he said he took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of my new covenant of the blood which is shed for you Um, yeah, it's just, there is so much um, that they do 
in order to make sure that um, you know the people uh, who fall after these things are, are stay deceived. Um, the scripture here uh, teaches that they are to be taken symbolically and as a reminder to what Jesus Christ did as an act of his selfless sacrifice as God's Lamb. In the scripture of John chapter 6 verse 32 to 58 is mentioned that it says, Chief said unto them, Verily, verily, I unto you that Moses gave you not bread from heaven, but is giving you the true bread from heaven, for the bread from God which came down from heaven and gave life unto the world that they said unto him. Roman Catholics are advised to pay attention to uh, John chapter 6, verse 32 to 33. <coughs> Excuse me. And what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up from which he was before? In the, it is the Spirit that quickeneth made alive, that the flesh profits nothing. And the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In the scripture, we show, we see what the Jews were saying in John chapter 6 verse uh, 52 concerning this issue and the Jews therefore strove amongst themselves saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat now in John chapter 6 verse 61 even the disciples themselves murmured even they doubted and they said unto him when Jesus knew himself that his disciples it says, and he said unto them, Does this offend you? In verse 62, Jesus said, What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. Now, in verse 61, 62, Jesus is saying, Does it seem possible that I gave up my flesh to eat while I'm on the earth? How much more is it possible when I've ascended up to heaven? The expression from both Jews and the Apostles were because they were thinking how this could be literal in a real sense, that they were thinking with their carnal minds. And this is why they didn't understand what Jesus was, uh, when Jesus was speaking spiritually. Because as stated in John chapter 6 verse 63, It is the spirit that I quit enough that the flesh profits nothing, that I speak unto you, that are spirit, they are spirits and they are life. Um, anyway, this had also been explained by the following, and there was a guy called Chertulian, uh, uh, and he says, this is my body, which is a figure of my body, and this was against, um, this was a book he wrote, and it's called The Faith of the Early Fathers, Volume 1, page 141. Now, Augustine... Um, for, said, for the Lord did not hesitate to say, when this is my body, when he gave us a sign of his body. Uh, Theodorat, who says, Christ took the symbol and said, this is my body, on the Eucharistic worship in the English church by an English Presbyterian. Now, the common response to the argument delivered from, uh, from the frequent use of such words as symbols, signs, types, antitypes, figures, images, and when applied to the Eucharist, it is the words that do not imply the elements or the elemental forms, only signs. 
for they these things signified may not be really present as well as the signs. None of the claims made by the Church of Rome is based on any scriptural explanation concerning the Lord's physical presence being sub in the in the substance of the bread and the wine, and this charges the physical sense that the actual body and blood of our Lord is in the Eucharist. The only grounds that the Church of Rome has uh, on its claims that the infallibility of the Church authority of the Pope, the Council of Trent through its canon laws disclose that is to be the true and um, they did not only need to explain how the sub substance of bread and wine was transformed but they just called it a mystery and yet one of these claims can be proven from scripture now on November 13 1565 Pope Pius V in his bowl so papal bowl is something that's announced it's just an announcement this is what they've decreed um, and it was something that's finalized and you know the, the people that were subject themselves under the authority and the teachings of the Pope would also be subject to this uh, area now under the um, the auspices of the Council of Trent it was subsequently modified slightly after the First Vatican Council in 1869 to 1870. It brought in line with the dogmatic uh, definitions that the Council of the Major of the Intent of the Decree was clear to find the Catholic faith against the Protestant religion. At one time it was used by theologians as an oath of loyalty to the Church to reconcile converts to the Church but was rarely used in these days. But having read this, that Pope Pius V was writing this on his own interpretive authority and does not need the authority of scripture to back up its doctrine, and so it's made it an issue that is necessary for salvation. Um, now, there was a, um, a, a, a there was a quote, and it's in Latin. And the translation goes like this. I profess likewise that the mass there is offered to God a true, proper and propitiatory sacrifice for the living and the dead. And it the most holy sacrament of the Eucharist is truly, really and substantially in the body and blood together with the solemn divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the conversion that takes place that the whole substance of the bread and the body and of the uh, the blood which is the conversion of the Catholic Church calls transubstantiation I also uh, confess under the eve of the species alone that Christ is received whole, entire and thus true sacrament the reason why this creed does not need to be used was because it already was taught in the Eucharist that the absolute article of faith and Catholics are held to this belief because they dare not question the church's own authority. Cardinal Hoseus attacks the scriptures by saying you cannot rely on scripture alone. He says this, infallibility of the church and bruise uh, of literaries delivered from the divinity of the University of Dublin. Cardinal Hoseus the Cardinal is proving that if you trust only in scripture that you must 
withstand every conflict with the devil, who can argue out much better than you. He tells the story of the poor collier, and when asked by a learned man what he believed, and repeated the creed, and asked what more he believed, and answered, I believe what the church believes, and what the church and um, what does the church believe? The church believes what I believe. It's so, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a word for it. It's, it's so, I mean, this is just uh, outrageous. Uh, so the blind, like their mission, they want you, as Roman Catholics or Protestants, to blind except the Catholic Church today as changing, um, and it's not really changing. It's just the same as it was uh, over a hundred years ago. Um, methods may have changed, but dogmas always remain the same. Um, he says, "And what we do to the church, you both, uh, and you both believer, the church and I believe the same thing." The limb man was disposed to smile at the collier's simplicity, but after some time, when he was on his deathbed. Satan tempts him with the assaults of his faith to parry what all he was learning was vain. Every time the evil one questioned him how he was to believe, and so he was glad to re re reply. Now the Cardinal as well as the Roman Catholic Church rejects the belief that the Holy Spirit teaches all things on the basis of John chapter 14 verse 26 and Matthew tw chapter 28 verse 19. If the Holy Spirit is able to teach us all, uh, all those who believe in Jesus Christ, there is nothing more that the Catholic priests or the popes need to do. The Cardinal here wants to accept the supposed miracle of the Holy Sacrament, and that this is to be commemorated in the Catholic Cathedral Saint. Um, I can't pronounce the the French. It's in Brussels. And uh, anyway, it's cathedral, it's Church of England. Um, the church has explained so-called miracles that the species of bread and wine were transformed. It has explained the writings of Carl von Hayst, handbook to the controversy of Rome. Now they state that the words uh, concentration spoken by the priest, bread and wine are transmitted transmitted uh, into the body and blood of Christ as a change of the substances. So, yet again, we find no scriptural record um, of this, nor the practice, it's practice seen anywhere in the portion of scripture other than based on the superstitions and beliefs of the church authority. So, anyway, um, getting back to the book Controversy of Rome in page 235, it says, Only by the appearance of the accents of bread and wine remain. The body and blood of Christ with the soul and divinity are actually present, in order that they may be eaten, and in the case of the priest drunk, that they may be continually pres continuously presented to God, as a memorial and reputation of the sacrifice of Golgotha. Moreover, 
there may be adored in the sacred uh, art of itself, well as the substantive reservation for them. Thus there arose the court case. Sorry. <laughs> there arose the cult within the mass, which is in the mass, a festival which the godman is present to the senses. He is calculated to make a powerful impression on the religious imagination, and with it is a well adapted to draw itself to the silent devotion of every day as a form to the central feature of con uh, concentrating the great church festivals that which over a thousand years would have edified and exalted some in generations of men. In my case, we uh, as believers, and especially those my generation, possess and share Christian church truth, which is the Bible. But the question arises, what is the complete truth, unmixed with errors and abuses? Um, if truth is not only found in scripture, then as believers, in the Bible, we must rest on the scripture alone. Yet the Church of Rome has done a lot to undermine biblical authority by placing the church over above the scriptures themselves. In the case of bread and wine, the Bible gives us a non-literal expression of the spiritual insight into the symbolic nature of Jesus and words. The Roman Catholics may, or the priest, may like to uh, take these forms excessively but if we were, um, if we did this, we could turn Peter into an actual. Uh, could we turn Peter into actually into an actual rock, as God did with Lot by turning his wife, but his wife turned by and she turned into a pillar of salt. Even she spoke in a parable of those whose stories had been had the spiritual application to them and were not literally accounts. Of uh, what you see it turned to anything at all. They weren't literal accounts. Jesus simply used everyday objects like the vine. Presented through these uh, symbols. Have deep meanings to them. He also applied this to the Lord's Supper. Which was also symbolic. In this case the whole doctrine and philosophy. For the Catholic Eucharist is no more than uh, fictitious. There is a lot expressed in the writings such as the book Modern Day Romanism by um, Reverend Dearden, page 132, says, Transubstantiation is well the proof from scripture, and it will be said by the Romanist, surely in the words of Christ as sufficient evidence. So, anyway, we're getting up to the last half hour. Of part one, I'm going to continue part two next week, and we're going to look further into uh, the Eucharist. Um, I want to say God bless you and thank you for tuning in, tuning in, and we hope that you can join us next week. Take care.